Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the DNBR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNBR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, and Megan coming at you live the day after the Avs win the Western Conference Finals to talk a little bit more about maybe not necessarily Game 4, but the entire series as a whole from the Avs' perspective. See where things kind of stand as they await their opponent going into the Cup Finals. What is going on on AJ's TV? I just noticed. Oh, there's like fireworks going on in your background? That's cool. It's the idle screen. Okay. All right. Well, appropriate, I guess, for the moment. Uh, Look, the Avs get, at minimum, eight days off here, no matter what happens in the Eastern Conference. So that's a win. Hopefully some guys can get a little bit healthier in that time. They get to go sleep in their own beds for all of that time. A lot of good news there, but what do we know for a full-ish picture of the abs health right now well what we know right now is that uh, uh they they're gonna need this time um you know we don't we don't really know what's going on with cogliano we don't know how serious it is with burakovsky uh nazem kadri just had surgery and um word on the street is that there's optimism he could be back in the series, uh, especially if it starts on the 18th and not the 15th. Uh, he would be in pain. He wouldn't be 100%. Um, but it ended up being uh, kind of a good break that it was just a thumb and not a uh, actual, like, broken hand. Uh, so... Uh, it sounds like the the plan was to have a pin inserted into it, and we'll see how it heals in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I, he's not he's not been ruled out for a return in the Stanley Cup final, um, which is interesting. Um, I think there might be there might have to be some adjustments. He's probably not going to take a face off if he does come back. Yeah, he's he's probably a wing. Uh, but he, he he's probably not taking faceoffs. Uh, but it's just him him coming back would be huge um, against either one of the uh, potential opponents. You know they it's weird. All three teams remaining have two uh, C problems. You know Braden Point nursing an injury, Ryan Strom nursing an injury, and now Nazem Kadri in Colorado. So it's uh kind of interesting that that it's that war of attrition has hit all all three of the remaining teams in the same spot that's what the playoffs do to you i guess um in the meantime with the abs operating without nazim kadri for the majority of this series um 
where where are we giving the most credit here? Who stepped up the most in Nazem Kadri's absence in the Avs lineup? Then we take the village, right? Sure. I, I mean, mean I, there were there were moments, you know, what Miko Rantanen has the power play goal to put him ahead, but he also has the inexplicable cut to the middle on the game tying goal where he could have just put the puck deep or gone around and instead he allowed he allowed himself to get separated from the puck and kickstart the puck in uh through the neutral zone in transition the other way. Uh it's you know, they're they're it was complicated with, with Miko last night. It just wasn't it wasn't a good or bad game. It was shift by shift. You saw both. So I don't think he gets uh, I don't think he gets full marks for either. Um you know, it's not all criticism, it's not all praise. It was complicated, but for a guy that for for a guy that's not a natural center and has played most of his time at center this season just in spot duty it's a pretty admirable effort overall um obviously Arturi Lekanen a three point night that you wanted to know where the where you know how pro- production was going to continue from the second line it did so that's the point. So I think I mean he gets obviously he gets credit even though the game winning goal he's playing on the fourth line. All right. AJ lives in a village. Megan, can you give me a more concrete answer than that? I was gonna kind of echo AJ's answer and oh. umbrella the top six because at different points different people among them stepped up. Like at times it was Nathan McKinnon who played as you expected him to which was necessary for this series. Like, I don't think Nathan McKinnon did anything different than we expect of himself, but he at least looked a little bit more like the McKinnon we're used to seeing. That became incredibly important. Um, Lackanen had some bright spots. And then um, Mika Rantanen also had his moments. Um, And then outside of that, you talked about it as being a key to last night's game. And that was parts of the decor stepping up, like Devontae's and Kale McCarr being themselves. I underplayed it, but that actually ended up being incredibly important too, since a lot of their offense ended up coming from specifically McCarr and Taves. I almost would, I think that was important too. It's, look, in game four, if you go down the list of the Evs, six best players, certainly the top five of them all scored a goal. And if you want to put Arturi Lekin in that sixth spot, then all six did. You know, I you can have an argument there that we don't need to get into, but semantics. Yeah, all of the Avs' best players showed up in the game that pushes them to the Stanley Cup final. So, yeah, and they needed all of them. I mean, it was we had talked last night about the likelihood that they were going to have to outscore uh, a a poorer performance from Frankie, and that's that that's where they ended up. Yep, and um. I just, you know, more than anything, I just think it was an it, it was an impressive, once again, a, an impressive performance of a team performing in the, in the game that they were in. You know, they certainly didn't go in with with the intention of having that be a six to five game. You don't ever want that, really. You want to be better defensively than that. Uh, but they. They they adjusted and they they came back. I mean, down three one, 
and 4-2 in the third period, and they just kept pushing and pushing and finding a way. And, hey, they're now they're in the cup final. And I think that... Uh, it's been it, it it was an it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting path. The uh, I've I've seen some people trying to pick at it that oh they they get the sorrowsless predators, then Bennington gets hurt, so then they get Billy Huso, and then they go through Mike Smith. But going into the conference final, the conversation was all about how Mike Smith had been so good beyond game ones. Definitely true. I mean, you, you could look at their whole path and and kind of say, look, Billy Huso was St. Louis's starter for the entire second half of the season. Yeah. Um, started yeah. more games. He started 40 games for them this year. Nashville, yes, they had to play Connor Ingram. But people have already forgotten that Pavel Francois started half of that series. Yeah. People also have not in that in that part of that conversation. The Avs just swept the Western Conference final with their backup goaltender. Yep. Like <laughs> that just happened. It's no excuse for the Evs. You know, like it 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 wasn't like Frankie was lights. I mean, he had the one great game for sure in, in game two. And then he was good enough in game three. It's just fine. Only gives up two goals. Both of them are soft, but only two of them. You balance those. And then Kind of gets rocked in games one and four, but also the the chances against him are ridiculous. Like breakaways, passes on the back door, odd man rushes, one timers through the slot. Like could have could have definitely uh, seen better from Frankie on a on a on a couple of the goals last night, but you know major breakdowns in front of him. Absolutely. It's, you've already said it takes a village. Uh, it's funny how many goaltending stats are actually team stats. Yeah. Well, and, and you go and you look at like, you go, you go and you look at the, the, the advanced goalie metrics, and like none of them are any good for Colorado. Yeah. But you're like, how are they 12 and two? If, if their goaltending has been so poor or is it just that they've, they've gotten involved that they got in two shootouts with Edmonton that are going to sink everybody's. I mean, we're all talking small samples here, especially with a backup goaltender, or, you know, with two goalies in the mix. Yep. None of them are going to have good numbers. And you're talking about teams involved in shootouts. And you're talking about a team that, that good, def- good enough defensively to not give up uh, lots of, lots of shots in other games where if a couple of them slip by you, then, you know, well, You've 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 underperformed that day. <laughs> it's uh, it is a weird situation where you end up in those games and you're like, well, you know, I guess they didn't give up ten goals. That's that's eight is better than ten, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it yeah it you have to play the game you're in, as you've already said. And for goalies, every time a goal goes in, that's a new reset. So is what it is on that front, uh, Megan. I am curious here, AJ kind of on the side of, yeah, the Avs could have done better in front of their goaltenders. Where do you think the Avs defense is at, at help pre- helping prevent or failing to prevent the quality opportunities against their goalies? I think the top two pairs have 
been excellent, but I think that specifically like Jack Johnson's minutes have been very sheltered and that is to reduce the vulnerabilities um, in exposing him. And that's, I, I don't necessarily expect better from him, but that does put a lot of pressure on um, the top two pairs to continue playing as strong a defensive game as they have, because that's something that Kill McCarr and Taves do well as well as injecting offense. They also play a very skillful defensive game. Um, and I thought that Eric Johnson has also played pretty well and Bo Byron has been his offense. It's like, it's a dam just waiting to break. Um, but defensively, he has also improved specifically throughout this series. Um, so as a whole, they're doing excellent, but there are some vulnerabilities that exist with Manson and Johnson, Jack Johnson specifically. I think Johnson, you're bang on the head there. Started the series game one, he played 1232, game two, 1132. Game three, he only played 823, and game four, didn't make it to 10 minutes again, played 948. So when it came down That's to crunch time, regular season Curtis McDermott treatment, like that yeah. is like we're we're not trusting. And maybe against a team that plays with less pace, like if they go against Tampa Bay, a team that very quietly wants to grind you into dust, doesn't they don't they don't play the back and forth super frenetic high paced style that you would associate with a team that talented, but you know, Jack Jack Johnson might be a better fit in that series where he might get a few and, more minutes, but he also just was not like there's there's some of both there, and you know we're getting a little bit further back here. But in the St. Louis series in Game Four, which was his first one, he played 15. Game Two was down to 12:30, or Game Five was down to 12:30, and then Game Six he only played 9:19. So certainly, when it comes down to closing things out does not seem like Bednar trusts him. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a tough spot, you know, where you're asking, what does he bring, you know, versus what what's the harm of having him out there? And I feel like if the trust is at that level, I don't know why he's the guy that you're putting in the lineup. Yeah, it, like, <sighs> That Ryan was, Murray's right there. <laughs> that was the perfect series to see what Ryan Murray could do. His mobility, um, his his he has a little more offensive instincts. Um, you know, he's not as hard nosed or as tough defensively, but that wasn't really the series for that. Yeah. So it is it is a question of you know what what's the priority? Why the priority of Jack Johnson over uh, Ryan Murray at that point? But we're talking about nine minutes here. I've had that conversation with people too about, you know, perhaps this would have been a great series to inject Ryan Murray. And I think the concern is going in as cold as Murray yeah. might have, uh, perhaps just riding the hot hand with Johnson. He's been practicing and playing and game time experiences with the team might just be more valuable, especially in that sheltered role. We talked about Bednar too last night, and I think this is a credit to some of his coaching strategy and how he decided to deploy players because he didn't just shelter Jack Johnson, but he sheltered Abe Kubel and Nico Sturm when he came back into the lineup. Um, and quietly, everyone around these players, despite being sheltered and playing lesser minutes, did what they needed to do so that it wasn't actually that visible when Jack Johnson was on the ice. Um, and that's kind of a good thing. Go ahead. 
one thing. We can nitpick all we want. Jared Bednar's team just swept the Western Conference final. So yeah, hard to argue with the coaching decision. Like, no. like let's be real here. Like Jared Bednar he did a great job in that in that round. He's done a great job this postseason. Yep. Um he's been he's pushed the right buttons. He's made good lineup changes that have paid off. Um like we're talking about like, hey, I don't understand why this guy or that guy. And again, nine minutes. Nine minutes that didn't hurt them. Nine minutes that they were fine. Nine minutes that it's not like the game changed in those nine minutes of Jack Johnson's ice time. Like, it's not, like, let's be real here. We've got some time to kind of dissect things, so we're going to. But the overall picture here, uh, the better team won, the better coach team won, the more emotionally mature team won, the team ready for the spotlight, the team ready for the moment that they were in won, the more talented team won. There was they, the Avs have left no doubt about who was the best team in the West this year. They left no doubt. Uh, the other side of what Megan was talking about, Bowen Byram, is oh. he a, actually a crazy, insane monster in the neutral zone, or is he just young and dumb enough that he's not afraid of getting burned? Because the, he plays like a madman in the neutral zone, and it just works. I think he's just. <laughs> I, I, I go back to our draft preview of him where before he got drafted, when, when we were talking about him as the, as a guy for the fourth overall pick, I did a whole, did a whole interview with him and talked about him. And uh, one of the big things was, was that I called him a modern day defender because he attacks at the blue line. He denies entries. He pushes pucks back into the neutral zone and gets them going the other way. He doesn't waste a lot of time defending in his own zone. He gets to the puck before guys can set up shop, before teams can set up shop in the offensive zone and force him to run around and defend and do things in front of his net. He's so good in the neutral zone. He's so good with the stick. Um, Byram Byram has been an, an enormous part of the success. Uh, this postseason and Eric Johnson has also been great, but you're talking Byram has stepped into that Sam Gerard role perfectly. And Megan, you, you mentioned his offense feeling like he's been cheated. He's got seven points in 14 games and it could have been like 12 or 13. He's a, he's had, uh, he's had two or three assists taken away after games. Um, I can't remember how many exactly, but he also has had how many backdoor passes that that should have been goals that that did not end up in the back of the net. Like he's Bowen Byram has met this moment, has stepped into that spotlight, and we talk about how Taves and 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 McCarr are the truth right now. But there's a world not that far from now where Bowen Byram and Kill McCarr is their top pairing. And that's the best pairing in the NHL. Because Byram, you keep in mind that Byram is a rookie. Byram's got 60-ish NHL games played under his belt. Over the course of the next two or three years, he's going to get a lot better. And he's already really good. And seeing him in this postseason, uh, he's he's been a major difference maker for them on the back end. Yeah. I mean, we'll just 
head on into period two after that one. We are brought to you by Green Chef. You can go over to greenchef.com slash DNVR, I believe, today. Let me make sure this is uh, this is the right link. All right. It's greenchef.com slash DNVRAVS130. Make sure I got you the right one there. You can go over there, get their meal kit today. They give you a ton of options. They bring fresh produce, produce, premium proteins, organic ingredients, and they're the number one meeting eating kit for meeting. Wow, I can't speak today. Eating kit for eating well. So jump on it. They give you 24 options every single week to pick from. I highly recommend getting their proteins. Their chicken and their beef are absolutely delicious if you could get on it. They have meal plans for just about everyone, including keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, and more if you're just looking to eat more balanced meals. They have something for everybody. Their carbon footprint is zero. So they're taking care of everything they need to on that front. If you've tried other ones, highly recommend you give a look at this one because it's good quality dinners or lunches i guess if you eat them for lunches it doesn't matter that's an option to jump on it today uh again that's greenchef.com slash dnvr abs 130 and use the dnvr abs 130 code to get 130 dollars off plus free shipping the number one meal kit for eating well also brought to you by DraftKings sportsbook the number one sportsbook app out there if you go over there, you bet on the NBA Finals with a new account. Use code DNVR when you sign up. You bet five bucks. You don't even have to get the bet raw right. I mean, you don't have to get it wrong either. If you get it right, you win some money. So jump on that. Uh, you get $150 in free bets either way, though. So go get that 150 bucks. Go bet it on whatever your heart desires, whether that be hockey or cornhole or badminton or chess or any other sport you can possibly imagine getting your hands on. So jump on that one. Uh, DraftKings obviously been a partner with us for a very long time now, and, and they do great work. So highly recommend them if you're going to put a couple of bets down on some sports. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. So, we're living in a world where, sure, there's optimism around Nazem Kadri, this, that, the other thing. I think one of the key pieces that we've talked about in the Avs top six that you need more of is Val Nishushkin. And yeah, he had the two-goal game for the Avs in game three, but you look at how those goals get made and you're like, (laughs) is there something the Avs can do to get Val Nachushkin a little bit more comfortable or back to his effective ways of playing hockey? Because I think maybe the biggest concern is we've seen it slip on the defensive side as well. Uh, I don't know about something that can make him more comfortable. He's playing with line mates. He played a lot uh, in the regular season. He's in situations he's been in all year. I think he just needs to meet the moment here um, of the guys that have kind of shied away a little bit uh, from the, from the spotlight that they're in right now. Nichushkin would be up there. I don't think he's been bad. It's just that he's left a lot of plays on the ice that we got accustomed to seeing him make this year. 
And when you're playing next to Nathan McKinnon, you just can't do that. That that the entire sequence that led to Edmonton's fourth goal last night, McKinnon pulling up, the decision from McKinnon isn't any good. Um, to try and force that pass, Nachushkin's not in a dangerous position. He's not even really open, but he also makes no play on that puck. Uh, he doesn't get a stick on it. He doesn't do anything with it. And then they just go the other direction and he's not part of it at all. So. Yeah, it's, and, and look, you're not asking Val Nachushkin to, to pull a snipe out and do an unbelievable play there. You're just asking him to touch the puck. So it, it isn't going the other way for Edmonton, right? Yeah. Make a play. And like some of his best plays this postseason. You know, winning the four-check battle in St. Louis in game four that led to Kadri's hat-trick goal. It's like stuff like that, like classic Nachushkin stuff that you expect. There just hasn't been as much of that. And given the defenses that they've played, um, I'm a little I'm a little disappointed. But also, he has, what, nine points in 14 games? <laughs> Hey, we're here to nitpick apparently today. Like, so. <laughs> he's, this is another situation where has not been bad, but there's another level. There's better, there's more from him that they can get. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, okay, we can keep moving on here. Uh, obviously, the abs have gotten great mileage out of JT Comfer in their sure. bottom six over the last five, four or five games. It's really started at the end of the, the St. Louis series, right? So um, you, you catch your dubs there. Also pretty reasonable to assume that he can't keep that up. I'm assuming that's the boat we're in, but I mean, maybe you're a believer. I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to question it. If you are, is there Something in the Avs bottom six that you want to see get rewarded a little bit more in the cup finals. Andre Burakovsky. Fair. <laughs> is he even in the bottom six really right now? I guess it depends if Cap I'm not really I'm up. not really sure what his role is on the team, but for a guy who's been such a big part of their complimentary scoring the last couple of years, to go from a sixty one point season to who even are you? Like does Burakovsky know who he is right now? Does he know what his role is? If there's one thing about the way that Bednar has kind of run his forwards this postseason, that has, that has, I think, has been really questionable. It's maybe the accidental decimation of Andre Burakovsky's confidence. You saw when he was on that two-on-one with Miko Ranton in last night, he had no intention of shooting the puck. And that's a guy that needs to feel confident wiring a puck every single time it touches a stick. That's who he is. It's what he does. It's a skill set. And I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of bummed to see that this version of Burakovsky is the one that they're getting this run. This is obviously on a personal level. He's headed into free agency. He put up the kind of season he's going to get paid anyway, but he's having the kind of postseason where somebody's going to be like, oh. Maybe I don't want to give him a five-year deal. And a good final would really go a long way for him. Um, 
but it 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 beyond that i mean i think it's a concern for colorado that he doesn't he he looks like he lacks all confidence uh that he has not been an impact player and that he's really just sort of drifted through the postseason and doesn't have a defined role or anything right now it's just the difference between this Burakovsky and the one that they had in the Edmonton bubble a couple years ago, who was so good night in and night out, who was so dangerous, who was so confident, it really is striking. It feels like it feels like things have really gone sideways there. Okay. Megan, you agree with Berkey, or is there someone else you want to see uh, get a little more action? like get rewarded for their efforts too, because yes. I'm looking at the fourth line who has been very consistent in the effort that they bring to the table. Um, and I'd like to see them get rewarded, particularly Logan O'Connor. Um, he isn't the, necessarily the most cerebral player, but he tries very hard. And so I'd like for that to finally connect with him because I feel like we're getting what we asked for out of Cagliano and Helm, especially defensively on the penalty kill. Um, but there's something offensively that O'Connor does bring to the table that we've seen in the past that I'd really like to see him get rewarded for in the postseason. Yeah, with O'Connor, his only goal so far in the playoffs was game one. I believe that was game one against St. Louis. Um, he missed a couple of games or missed one game or two games in that series. But Yeah, he scored on uh, he scored on that breakaway coming out of the penalty box. Yep. That so, was game three. That was game three. Okay. Yeah. He missed games one and two. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's his one goal of the playoffs. Uh, he does have two assists as well, but yeah. A couple, it, I think a couple of passes to, uh, to guys on two on ones who did the job. It might be Cogliano both times. I think, <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> uh, no, Cogliano has two goals, right? Uh, yeah. And the first one was the shorthanded goal against Nashville. In game one. Right. Uh, and yeah. then the other one was the game-winning goal, the seventh goal against Edmonton on the two-on-one from LOC. Yeah. His other assist was in game six against St. Louis. Um, so Darren Helm, he set the puck, uh, yeah. he sent yep. the puck across the zone. The, the best dumb. assist of all time. Yeah. We're yeah. <laughs> dumb. All right, look, in my mind, that puck teleported out of nowhere and Darren Helm skated into it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I loved your reaction on the watch along. Yeah. Throws the puck into nowhere, and it's like, well, there's a guy there. There was a guy in the vicinity. It wasn't that close, yeah. but you, I mean, it worked out. I mean, he threw the same puck to Devon Taves last night that ended up on Ryan Nugent Hopkins <laughs> on a breakaway. So, LOC's just throwing loose. pucks into space right now. You know, <laughs> guys are guys are doing things with them. No, the jokes aside, you're right that that LOC that fourth line in general has been excellent. The idea that something might be wrong with Andrew Cogliano sucks because those guys have been so good. And it's such a strange thing because you're like LOC and Darren Helm were around all year. And like, well, we had the LOC thing for like six weeks where people got way over the top about it. It swung the other way too far where, like, he didn't score for, like, 40 games and and wasn't very productive and couldn't find points and blah, 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 blah. And Darren Helm, like, we were – most of us were like, 
Darren Helmet, did, did he even play this year? Like, there are people who are paid to talk hockey for a living forgetting that Darren Helm was in Colorado all season. And, like, it was easy to forget. He just didn't do a lot for a lot. Then the postseason showed up, and you're like, who is this guy? Yeah. I mean, that he almost seals the game last night. Outskating, outmuscling, outworking Connor McDavid in a one-on-one situation all the way down the ice. Like, Darren Helm has been awesome in the postseason. Logan O'Connor has been awesome in the postseason. And Andrew Cogliano, awesome. To see those three guys together has been really... I mean, ever since Craig Berube went back to the 12-6 and they had to stop matching up against St. Louis's like, third line, like, partial third line guys, uh, they've been great because they've been against other fourth lines. But also, they ate a bunch of Connor McDavid minutes in that Oilers series and did just fine. So, I think the fourth, like, giving the fourth line props... 100% deserved. They're, yeah, 100% deserved. Uh, uh kind of a kind of like kind of in Burkowski's shoes. What is Alex Newhook right now? Yeah. Chad has been uh mentioning Newhook quite a bit, so I'm curious what your thoughts on his role in these playoffs so far and where it sits. 2 points in 6 games hasn't gotten a ton of opportunity. But he exists. He also just like Burakovsky looks like he doesn't have a lot of confidence right now, but uh, also looks like he's playing to not make the big mistake. Um, if there's one thing that I do like about Burakovsky is that when he gets a puck on a stick, he's flying up the ice and he's doing things right. But with new hook, uh, he's getting the puck on a stick. And he's getting rid of it right away. And, the delay a game was rough. That's that's just a he panics. He's Zach Cassian's bearing down on him. He flips it over the glass. He makes a mistake. He's not he's not made a regular habit of that. He you know it it, it just has not been like that. So I'm not too concerned about that moment in particular. But we have talked about hey playing next to JT Comfer and Abe Goubel. He's he's not really been put in a position to really maximize what he does well. I I would not be opposed to seeing him in your top in the top six on the left wing. It's while he and Burakovsky try and kind of figure out which one of the guys role. is gonna yeah. pop in the in the cup final. You're trying to find something from one of those guys if 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 Kadri remains out. Look, if Kadri comes back, I I'm sorry, but you you should really put them together. Newhook, Burakovsky, Comfer, put them together. <laughs> they scored a goal in the one period that they, they got, got to play together. Yeah. They scored a goal in game one against Edmonton, and then Burakovsky blocked that shot, got hurt. They kind of ended up uh they kind of ended up broken up a little bit. And it's such it was such oh. a bummer because we were excited to see that line. And they immediately their offensive talent immediately gelled together. And- why I think Burakovsky is such a good fit with Newhook, 
I think Newhook has looked fine when he gets up to speed. When he's going in on a rush, when he's on the forecheck, I think he looks good. I think he can use his speed to his advantage. It's when he gets into those more technical situations where on a line with Comfort and Kubel, you're asking him to drive the play up the ice the entire yeah. time he's out there. And, and it feels like a little much for him right now. It's it's pretty obvious that like he's just not ready for that assignment yet. Maybe he never becomes a real play driver in the NHL. We don't know yet, but it's obvious that this version of him is not ready for that yet. And so it's tough to ask him of uh, to ask him to do that. But I will say, he continues to be sound defensively. He continues to work hard defensively. I continue to like his all around profile. It, but it does feel like. As this postseason has gone on, it has been a little bit. Uh, there, there have been enough pockmarks there that I'm a little disappointed. I'm sympathetic to his situation too, because you've talked a little bit about the opportunity that's available to him, and we've seen even in the regular season, there's just a little bit of a disconnect between him and Abe Kubel specifically. There's a few times I can think of where they just don't find each other on the play and these passes don't connect from one to the other. Um, and that's not necessarily something we would see with Burkowski and Comfer. And I think that's holding him back in a way. And that's not to demerit Abe Kubel. You know, it's solely him. It's just together they're a little bit disconnected. And that doesn't help Newhook help to build his confidence as a young player if this is the opportunity that he's given. Uh, this is an exaggeration to be clear, but sometimes it does feel like you pass a puck to Abe Kubel and you know it's not coming back. Not to you, at least. It's either a shot on net or it's going the other way. Yeah, more often than not, it's getting dumped into the corner. Uh, It's getting played up the wall. That's it. It just gets turned over and you move on. And they go change. Yep. That's what it feels like at at times. And, And look, Abe Kubel's a good player, probably deserves to be in the NHL on, on an every-night basis, but you can just see how a little bit more talent around Alex Newhook could help him. Right. Um, $5 from Martin here. Devils fan here. Nothing but love and respect for the Avs. Great organization. Also, if you get the Rangers, please, for the love of God, sweep them, I beg. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> kind of a big game in that series going on tonight, so... We'll, uh, we'll let that series sort itself out a little bit before we get into that conversation. Um, any other major things you wanted to touch on in the Avs lineup before we, we move on here? Uh, just, as a, just as a quick thing, like really want to drive home that Eric Johnson's awesome. Ed absolutely has given the Avs everything he's got in these playoffs. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. The Condor lore is real. Yeah, he's just been. I, I I don't know how you could feel anything other than happy, seeing how he's played and what he's gotten to be. A, everything he's gone through in Colorado in the last two years, and you know how much how much flack people like us guy because of the money that he makes and the expectations and. Seeing seeing him go from the regular season where on a night-to-night basis, you just had no idea. And then this postseason version of him where he's awesome. Yep. I, he feels young again for at least a little bit uh, in these playoffs. Uh, but, <clears throat> excuse me, 
We are brought to you by Avaca TV. You could go over to avaca.tv slash DNVR. That's E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash DNVR to get hooked up with television in the Denver metro area today for just 15 bucks a month for the first three months and only 25 bucks a month after that. They've got Altitude. They've got a Rocky Mountain AT&T Sports Network. They've got national channels. So, yeah, the cup final on ABC, you can watch that on Avaca. Uh, go get it today. They're an awesome partner. They also make life easy for the Colorado sports fan having altitude back on your TV. They also have a DNVR channel, which has this show on it right now. So if you want to watch DNVR along with your sports, you don't even have to boot up YouTube or anything like that. You can just go to Avaca, find the DNVR channel. If we're live, we'll be right there on your television. Super awesome. Highly recommend you check those guys out. And while you're sitting there watching TV, maybe grab yourself a Breckenridge Brewery. Or, if you're really lucky, go to breckbrew.com. They're giving away tickets to all of the Avs home games in the Stanley Cup Final. So, there's guaranteed at least two. There could be two more than that. I'm I'm not saying you want to go to a Cup Final. No, you know what I am saying? You want to go to a Cup Final game in person. That is something you want to do. I'm pretty confident. So go check that out. Go to breckbrew.com. Of course, show them some love. Pick up some Avalanche Amber Ales or any other beer that you prefer. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Real quick, at the end of the show chat, we're going to be giving away four memberships thanks to a very generous viewer who has given four annual memberships to give away. So stick around. At the end of the show, we'll give away some of those. Uh, go ahead. I just, uh, I, I assume you're done with that part. I am. Before we start, what we're actually going to get into this period. Yes. Uh, fun fact of the day. Okay. Fun fact of the day. Uh, there have been four instances of a defenseman recording nine points, uh, at least nine points, in a four-game sweep in NHL history. Kale McCarr has two yeah. of them this year. This year. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's pretty disgusting. It had only happened twice in NHL history before this season, and Kale McCarr doubled it in three rounds. Kid might be pretty good. Other fun fact, uh I I'm sh- I'm sure you guys all uh follow my guy Filipovich. Yep. I told you he was gonna have a video today. He had a video today. Is it out? Uh, Oh, yeah. It's out. He DM'd it to me. uh, (laughs) Or he DM'd me the link and was like, here you go. Is it McDavid on McCarr matchups? It's not. It's Devon Taves and Kale McCarr zone entry denials. Even people alive. Zone exits, yeah. It's nasty. But he put out out a thing last night uh, that I thought was very interesting. Uh, the Avs record with those guys in the lineup is pretty good. <laughs> uh, in 78 games, it was a 132 point pace. Oh, is that all? Yeah, which would be which would tie for the best regular season ever <laughs> in 78 games. In 78 games with with extra games to play. Uh. The 77-78 Canadiens had 132 points in 80 games. 
So the Avs would have in two that cracks thing, at it. Yeah. They would have two cracks at breaking the record. Uh, and and I just thought that that was a fascinating statistic. Taves and McCarr in the lineup, 132 would be a 132 point team given the results that they had have had this year um, with them both playing. That's historically dominant is what we're talking about there. So pretty impressive stuff. Um, I thought that those were two fun facts that I wanted to share on the show today. Uh, And if, of course, if you haven't, if you haven't seen um, uh, his, his video of the, uh, of Makar and Taves on the blue line, go watch, uh, check out, yeah, check out his Twitter. Uh, also check out Rudo's lip reading, which took over <laughs> hockey Twitter this morning. Yeah, that thing kind of exploded. Uh, really, really quickly, was there like a favorite moment in any of that for you guys, or was it just everybody's favorite moment that when Joe Sackick walked out, all of the abs were like and like peacocked their way over there? Uh, yeah, I. Well, Love the the whole Joe Sackick everyone's head turn of respect yeah. moment, but I also loved EJ man. EJ's the one. Everyone's else like, yeah, I'd probably touch the thing, and he just like, nope, absolutely not, <laughs> not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did love though that he's talking. He's talking to EJ and Sackick's like, touch it, just. Yep, dude. What are you? What are you afraid of? Madman, McKinnon, and and that's EJ gives him like the big handshake, and he's like, "You psycho!" <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, check all that out. Um, but also, we'll have plenty more time to talk about the abs. Yes, we intentionally did not talk about the goalie conversation on today's show. That's going to be a whole nother show, but. With some time off, we have some other hockey to talk about. Recapping the Colorado Eagles playoff run, which was a great one. They made their own conference finals. Unfortunately, came up a little bit short in that series. But you saw the Megan's got like tornado sirens going off in the background or something. (laughs) I don't know what that is. My window's open and it's. The postmortem for the Eagles season, I guess. Oh, they're the cops. The they, they're coming. Procession. They've just been waiting for us to talk about they this. Do. They well do. played. <laughs> the the emergency vehicles are out. Uh, oh. But obviously, look, it, it was a great year for the Eagles. This is the farthest they've ever made it at the AHL level. Megan, take this one wherever you want to go with it. I'm writing a piece right now that's going to recap an overview of the season and accomplishments that they made as a team, coaching staff and individually. Um, So I won't go into too much detail, but overall, this is a historic season for the Eagles. They're very new as an AHL team, so that might not carry much weight, but it is one of their best performing seasons as an AHL team in a lot of ways, Um, offensively, but even what the decor was able to do, what Tim Branham did with their penalty kill this year, uh, what Schneekopf did with their deep pairings this year. Um, you know, you have three points leaders in the entire AHL just on the Colorado Eagles roster, and one of them is Jordan Gross, their AHL Outstanding Defenseman of the Year. Um, 
But even down that roster, there are players like Andreas England and Keaton Middleton who took huge steps forward. And I think that this is going to be a part of a greater conversation about the Eagles as an organization that can develop prospects, because that is an area that probably leaves a little bit to be desired from this season is what we saw for prospects and how they seem to be trending. Um, there are definitely some prospects who took steps in the right direction and some who moved maybe more laterally um, and improved in some ways, but maybe not in others. Um, but as a whole, they just injected offense into their entire lineup um, and put up such a fight too against what's already a really difficult division. Like the Stockton Heat are top two in the entire Western Western Conference. They're just a very good team, and they also had excellent goaltending on their end. They had outstanding goaltender of the year on their team, um, and that showed um, in the final minutes. Um, so I don't know if we want to talk specifically about any one player. Um, yeah, I want things. to ask you about Eustace Onanen's postseason because the end okay. of his regular season was really uneven. It had started to slip back from his job to a real Miska. platoon situation with Hunter Miska. And then the playoffs started. And talk to me about what Ananen was able to get done in the postseason. His numbers to his save percentage rivaled Dustin Wolf, um, the goaltender for the Stockton Heat. He was playing wonderfully. And um, the shots were relatively even throughout the series, too. So he was seeing a lot of action in his own end, um, in part because the Eagles, one of the things that did them in is they spent a lot of time on the penalty kill in the Stockton series. So they spent a lot of time in their own end. They really put uses to the test in Stockton. But then in the series leading up to it, they sweep Henderson, they sweep Ontario, and Eustace is a huge part in that. Um, his save percentage, I think, finished at like 923, 924, um, which was a huge improvement from where he had finished. It was somewhere in the high 800 at the end of the regular season. And it was kind of a cyclical thing because where his play began to taper off was around March after a really high scoring game against Stockton. It depleted his confidence. We've talked about this a lot. He started to get it back right at the end of the regular season and then really dialed it in for the playoffs. Um, just probably the best player for the Colorado Eagles. And there were some excellent players throughout the playoffs. Yeah. Do you think that this put him in position uh, as a, to, to be kind of a launch pad for him being the man in Loveland next year um, and not maybe not split as much time, but uh, really take over the net as like the guy that they're going to want to play 50, 60 games? Yeah, I think they had even primed him for that role this last season and at the start of the season tried to utilize him in that way. Obviously, he fell under some pressure at points. Um, so I think that's still the game plan to use him as the starting goaltender and rely on him pretty heavily. Of AHL goaltenders, too, he's one who played some of the most games last season, and he had moments where he didn't necessarily play as well. So I think that's only going to continue. They're going to entrust him with that role again. And this is a good launching off point because he did finish so strong. I think there's so, yeah, questions you... too about if Miska comes back to Colorado. I think he personally does um, stay in Colorado, but I, I think he could potentially go elsewhere if he wanted to. It's yeah. I mean, that's a tough conversation. If 
if someone gave him a potential NHL job, I imagine he would go, but hard to see someone giving him that. So we'll see. I don't see that. Yeah. Um, All right. So we've talked about Anna in the net. Give me the best skater prospect for the Eagles this year. And you can't say Justin Barron. Who? I I was going to say, oh, well, okay. Skating really made me think very specifically skating. And I (laughs) would say John Luke Foodie. Like that is so literal because he is an excellent skater, but he also showed dramatic improvement from start to finish. Um, especially compared to other prospects. Um, he was given more responsibility where the prospects are concerned. And I guess I have to ask a follow-up question. Do we consider someone like Maltsev a prospect or is he an in-betweener with an asterisk by his name? I would say we would consider him a, a prospect because we're still holding out hope for him to be an NHLer someday, so... He's like right on the he's like like right next to Martin County. He's like right on the fringe. Yeah. Like Shane Bauer. Like those guys are like are they really prospects at this point? But do we I mean I'm still gonna say yes. We'll consider those guys prospects for right now. For the sake of this okay. conversation. Because I think Maltsev, um his overall game improved. He's playing a more complete game that is in alignment with the style of hockey that the avalanche would want him to play. And he took steps in that direction. He's playing with better energy pace, um, a lot harder to work off the puck. Um, And so I think he was probably the strongest of that prospect pool, but then not far behind him, I would still put foodie there just with the ceiling that foodie has is still so high in my eyes because there's still a lot of room to grow. And he grew so much in the span of one season Whereas the conversation surrounding Cow or Bowers, it's a little harder to have that conversation. Um, Bowers is one who took steps kind of laterally. He struggled with injury and missed a lot of time, but he had, when he did play in the postseason, really important games, but he also didn't play every game in the postseason. Kind of similarly, Cow became really reliable defensively and an important forward on the penalty kill. Um, so that was a, a wonderful step in the right direction for Cow, but his offensive production remain similar to other seasons that he has had that he didn't take necessarily a huge leap forward either. Um, and then Olsen is still so new. He only appeared in a few games in the postseason as well. Um, I can tell he's just not quite trusted with a lot of responsibility yet. So next season will be a huge test. And then the sample Ranta conversation is one that maybe concerns me the most. Um, he, you know, it's his first full year pro. So I'm tampering some expectation there. He also missed a lot of time due to an injury, um, but he registered no points in the postseason. Was scratched, scratched from several games and is playing fourth line minutes. Um, and just you know, given those circumstances, missing time and um, still being new to the AHL, I'm granting him some allowances, but he really didn't take a step forward either. How much better did Ranta get compared to the 10-game stretch we saw at the start of the season where he was with the abs and he didn't do anything? This one is hard for me. I do feel like I've talked to other people who share slightly different views on this, but I actually felt um, he looked better in his stretch up with the avalanche in part because of the talent around him. Um, And... 
I don't know if he was playing more motivated because of the opportunity up with the NHL. And then coming to the AHL, you had to earn opportunity. And so because he was being bounced around between the third and fourth line, um, that also meant that his line mates switched up at many points throughout the season and he struggled to find chemistry. And so that's where a lot of his playmaking left a lot to be desired. And it's hard to say if some of that was a lack of consistency and what was the opportunity surrounding him at the AHL level, but it impressed me less seeing him with the Eagles um, because he just wasn't doing very much um, in the offensive zone as far as distributing the puck and creating scoring chances. And that kind of showed in his production too. Would you say his defense got to a serviceable level in the AHL? It's been a, it's been a big nitpick in his game, at least back in the NCAA. I, I think serviceable would be a good word for it. Um, you can tell, too, how Cronin utilizes players um, defensively when he trusts them versus he doesn't. For example, Foodie, for a lot of the season, was not utilized in defensive situations where it could be avoided because he wasn't really trusted with that. And so Sampa was another player that wasn't guaranteed as much opportunity defensively um, where it could be avoided. And so I don't know if I can really speak to that element of his game, um, but the physicality in general has always been there. He is strong on the forecheck and the backcheck, um, and so that definitely benefits him defensively, but more of an unknown for me. All right. Um, any other players specifically you wanted to talk about from the Eagles? No, I'll up into it in the piece. Um, it's I've talked about everyone a little bit already, but you know, I'll touch more on Sherwood and Sakura and the seasons that they had because down the lineup, I think 12 players of the Eagles roster had career-breaking years as far as production goes. Sherwood and Sakura are among them. Um, they just played very good hockey this season. So it's worth talking about, but I'll go into it more in the piece. So on the Avs side of things, look, there's not a ton left in the playoffs, but still having a little bit of a black ace conversation. Jason Megna is already up with the Avs. Um, you have... Jacob McDonald kind of waiting in the wings on the defensive side if they get that desperate. Do you expect anyone else to maybe at least have a ride with the team out to Tampa Bay or are they, are they comfortable where they're at? That's um, interesting. I, I would say they're comfortable where they're at um, just because I'm not sure on the status of some of the injuries with the abs. Um, I could see Barncout being among another player to make the trip if what they are looking for is someone who's a little more reliable defensively. I think Megna, of the forward options that could go on the trip, is still probably the top in my book um, because he is a really well-rounded player. But Barncout is very reliable defensively, and that might be something, especially if Kadri is out and there's some other injury in the balance, um, that Kout would be a little bit more responsible to play in that situation. Just don't shoot the puck into your own net again. That was really bad. I didn't, I didn't even mention it in the piece. There's not a lot of things that you shouldn't do in hockey. Yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. Poor Eustace. But, I mean, poor, poor Cowder. Like, that's... He's just acting on instinct, trying to get a puck out of there, and he ended up sniping one past Eustace. I, it was so a joke. A mess. He wanted to get it traded on purpose. That's not a very funny joke, but 
It's a little funny. I don't think he did it on purpose. (laughs) It would be a lot funnier if he was like, yeah, I did it on purpose. (laughs) Trade me. Get me out of here. Yeah, I scored that game-tying goal on my own team. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Chat. I want to see some We Want the Cups in the chat. All right, give me some We Want the Cups. Yeah, and if you're if you're not a fan of the Avalanche and you're not going to make use of the subscription, please don't be be part of this. Yeah, don't don't we steal have a lots of like random Rangers and Vegas and like random like Blues fans and stuff in our chat, and that's awesome. We love you guys. You guys are more than welcome to be here. Just don't. Don't try and jack one of our one of our yeah. memberships that we're giving if away. You have no intention of ever going to thednvr.com. Don't participate in this giveaway. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay, while we uh, while we let chat warm it up a little bit, how how we feeling about uh, the conference finals? Are we feeling good about this? Because let me, I won't even ask you who's going to win. I'm going to ask you. If it goes six or less, cup finals start on June 15th. If it goes seven, cup finals start on June 18th. Which one of those do you want? Do you want the 15th or the 18th? Uh, well, for Kadri's sake, I want as late as possible because I, like, I'm like i happy letting Braden Point and Ryan Strom get healthy too. Um, I want Kadri in, in the finals. So I want it, if that means it has to go seven, then I want it to go seven. Okay. Willing to. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Yahir desperately wants it earlier so he can have his wedding. Yeah. (laughs) So he can get married freely. (laughs) Not have to try and have that conversation. Like, babe, I love you. (laughs) We have the abs game on at our wedding. But... Oh my god! I'm gonna have my phone on the floor, and it's gonna have the game on. <laughs> okay, we're giving away four annual memberships to bdnvr.com. Here, we're gonna pick four random winners from the chat. If you win, contact Nathan Double Underscore Rudolph on Twitter, or if you're on our Discord, you can hit me up there, Rudo Three. Either way. Send me a DM, uh, and we will get you all hooked up with your membership. Uh, all right, here we go. Winner number one, Caleb Austin. You have won an annual membership to the DNVR.com. Congratulations. Uh, hit us up uh, on – hit me up, I suppose, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we go again. Number two. Joe Dredd. I always love this name. <laughs> is it is it like what's what's that movie called? Judge, Judge Dredd. Dredd. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, I've never actually seen it, so I don't. I don't actually. The first one was brutally bad. The yeah. remake of it, really bizarrely solid movie. Okay, you never see movies go that direction where you're like, how did this go from? It'd be like if they turned around and made the room, except good. And you're like, wait, what? Is that even possible? Part of the charm of this is that it was so terrible. <laughs> Congratulations, Joe. Hit me up on Twitter. Number three. 
Gunner Trick. I hope that's your real name. That's I an awesome name. Hope so. <laughs> Congratulations! You've won yourself an annual membership to the DNVR. And one final one, Matthew Morin. You have won an annual membership to the DNVR.com. Again, for our winners, hit up Nathan Double Underscore Rudolph on Twitter. That's me. If you see the tweet of the guy who did the lip reading of the Avs, that that account, that one. Uh, it's the it's it's the only thing of mine that's showing up on Twitter. Don't, don't work on that, by the way. That thing ruled. Uh, dude, yeah, they just said cool stuff. I just saw what they said. <laughs> Congrats to all of our winners. We appreciate all of y'all here hanging out with us so very much, even on an off day, hangover day for Avs fans. There's, there were 400 of you with us for a lot of today. So thank you very much. Um, any final thoughts from you two on Avs Eagles? Anything else? All right. Looking forward to watching the game tonight and actually caring what happens. <laughs> I've, right. I've ignored the East focused. a lot outside of like casual viewing. Yep. Yeah. Now yeah, things start to matter. Um. Yeah. All right. I guess that's it. We love you all. We will be back tomorrow. Probably talking about the Eastern Conference final. Maybe talking about the Avs goalie situation. I don't know. One of the two. Probably both. Could be both. Could be both. We'll see how it goes. Who knows? Maybe we'll slip a draft day in there sometime this week. Anything is possible right now. Either way, we appreciate you hanging out, and we will talk to you on the next one.